Hello, and welcome back to Optimistically Salty. My name is Tracy, and let's catch up a little bit. It's It's been a little while, and uh, I have I have a lot to, to dive into here, so podcast talk. Um, I am, as per the now usual, sitting in my car in the garage trying to block out the noises of my life long enough to follow a train of thought to completion. Buckle up. Enjoy. All right. So welcome back. It has been a while. I started off the year pretty strong in the podcast uh, world and um, <laughs> then real life started happening. Um, and it, I think the weird thing is that it was just a continuation of, you know, what's been going on in my life over the past couple of years anyways. And I've recorded a few episodes about it, but I'm realizing I'm not really a storyteller. I, the things that I put weight on when I tell a story are more of a way to convey my own feelings than to actually express a story. And so I haven't had like a really good natural, like, introduction of this is what Tracy's life looks like behind the podcast. And the more that I try to put that in such a simple way, the further off I feel like I get from actually sharing. So instead of sharing, this is my life, I'm just going to talk a little bit about contemplating life um, and what I have personally been experiencing over, let's say, the last month. Um, I was making some adjustments on my Instagram account, and I was locked out of Instagram. And after about a week, the first few days, I was really bothered. I was like, man, something happened here. Um, I was afraid that my account had been hacked or something. And after about a week... I tried to log on on my computer. I tried to, you know, I was like, do I need to like try to get my account back? What do I need to do? Um, and I'm one of the people who avoids doing those phone updates because it changes stuff. And I'm basically an old woman who just doesn't want my stuff messed with anymore. <sighs> I finally ran the update just this week and there was an available update for Instagram and it looks like apparently because I don't have Facebook anymore that they were like, we need more of your personal information if you want to use this app. And I was like, you know, I haven't had it for like a month now. So I'm, I think I'm okay without it for a while. Um, the fact that they want something for me to participate is a really good deterrent for me. And um, to be frank... Um, I've been busy actually living and I don't know how else to say that. Um, I have been looking into what I want to do for my future. I've been reading books to help move things along. I have been welcoming myself back to the world of exercise and movement and yoga and prayer and meditation and showing up for my kids the way I want to, like the, not that Instagram was the thing that was preventing me from that. It was something within me. 
And when I think back about it, I think this entire podcast has really been me trying to put my finger on what the heck is wrong with me that I can't do the things that I want to do. And I knew that there was a thing. I just couldn't. It was elusive, let's say. Um, And it was dynamic. It was shifting and changing in a way that made me think, well, maybe I'm just crazy. (laughs) Like it would be easier for me to just be a mentally ill person than for this to be about personal responsibility. And I was watching, I watch not, not a lot of um, podcasts or, um, and, or listen to them, but I, I watch Rich Roll pretty often. They're like two hour podcasts. They're pretty long form. Um, but I'll put them on while I'm doing other things and listen to some of the different people he's speaking with. And I had just listened to him speak to, um, sorry, brain fart, uh, David Epstein talking about his book range and talking about him and being a generalist in life, like that he's not a specialized person that he just takes things on. And I find myself in that crowd of, um, really loving to think things through. Like I really just, the process of mentally dissecting ideas is really appealing to me. I enjoy it. Um, and listening to him speaking just about being a generalist was really cool. It made me reflect on my friend's podcast, Life Generalist, um, or his Instagram. Sorry if I just messed that up, John. Then, um, anywho, we carry on. So I, over the course of the last month, um, let's just say things have been complicated, You remember back in the days of Instagram where you could like change your relationship status to it's complicated? Not that my relationships are complicated, just life was complicated. I was starting to better understand my own patterns of behavior, where they rooted and came from. And it was like I was finally peeling back those layers of this rotten onion that I've been working on for all these years via podcast, via self-help gurus, via um, sports, via all the things. And in in April, I started working on things like, let's see, and then my mind goes blank as I sit here with awkward dead air silence. I started working on things like, um, inner family systems therapies. And I started working on parts therapies and I started working on, um, polyvagal theory work within my body to recognize like what was going on for me and actually starting to advocate for myself too. Like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really stressed out and I can't talk about this right now and being okay saying that and setting a boundary. I realized that part of the relationship that I was missing with myself was trust that I hadn't taken enough personal responsibility to build trust within myself. And I attended a 12-step meeting, which did not suit me. Um, I went for a 12-step for codependency, and it did not suit me. It was not the right place. But there was something there that clicked, that I was like, I think I'm getting closer to the center of my ugly onion. 
And I was starting to really accept some of the ugliness that is me. I mean, we all have that like shadow work stuff if you're woo-woo or just characteristics or things about ourselves that maybe we're not too keen to share with the world or people that we care about because we're like, well, don't look at that ugly. And then we're secretly always looking for the anecdote. We're always looking to, not anecdote, (laughs) anecdote. I can't, we're moving forward. Um, You know, we're always trying to like fix, fix that thing about ourselves, And I've been working a lot with the idea of radical acceptance and working a lot with especially radical self-acceptance of, you know, we carry the shame, we carry the guilt, we carry the things with us. How do you start coming to terms with those things, making friends with them and moving forward? So one of the books that I read, it's called No Bad Parts, and I cannot remember the author's name, of course, but it was just a really amazing book with getting into working with different parts of yourself and how to maybe start healing, maybe start accepting the parts of yourself that are protective, that lash out, maybe start working on why is it so hard to go from the couch to walking? And what's the, what's the thing that holds you there? And they dive into it. I am just a noble podcaster and not a doctor, but they dive into the way that you learn to protect yourself in childhood from whatever you're facing, the way that you try to find acceptance or the way that you try to find love. Like those things don't serve you as you get older, but if you do not experience some level of self-acceptance, then you continue to try to utilize these way outdated tools. And as I'm working through these different books and I'm looking at these different kinds of therapies, this is something I've kind of come up against a couple of times. And I'm noticing that as well. Um, When I learned about the medicine wheel. So I did a medicine wheel workshop and I learned about how we circle through these phases of our life. There are four different parts to the medicine wheel. I will allow you to research that yourself since I am not a guru in this area. And as you circle around the medicine wheel, you phase in and out of the different colors. And sometimes you get stuck in something longer than you're supposed to be. But you're always circling inward, inward, inward. So you're coming back around to things that you've visited before as like the hands on a clock are circling around. You're coming back through things that it's like, I've been here before, but now I understand it on a new level because of what I learned here. And you're working inward and getting deeper and deeper in. And this also, I think, kind of crosses over into like the enlightenment of the Buddha. Um, There's a... When you are interested in learning about a lot of different cultures and how they view things, you can see the similarities, even though it's presented differently. There's a level of enlightenment of accepting things as you move closer and closer and being okay with the fact that you maybe like to position yourself in a way in life that you become the martyr of your household or you become somebody who... um, becomes really, um, what's the word's escape me. I apologize. 
you become somebody who just supports everybody around you and never really takes care of yourself. One of the girls in the 12-step meeting I attended said that her life is a reaction to everyone around her. And that hits so hard. I definitely have some codependent traits <laughs> as that is something that has been covered on this podcast before. Um, the interesting thing is that, you know, we create these dynamics and we just dig them in deeper and deeper and deeper over time where I have really healthy relationships with boundaries and that seem so whole And then I have relationships that I really struggle to have boundaries in. And we're going to get back to, away from others, back to self. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I struggle with is the feeling of selfishness and the feeling of trusting myself and trusting my gut and trusting my ideas. And over the last month, because of the lack of maybe that extra input, And then attending a few groups and reading a few books and just trying to get to the middle of the ugly onion, I realized that there is something that they talk about um, within yoga and within Buddhism, which is this like draw to excessiveness. And I feel like a very bad yoga teacher right now because I would have loved to have presented one of the yamas or niyamas right now to discuss that aspect of it. But maybe next time, maybe we'll do a yoga podcast next time and just introduce some of the basics of the theology of yoga. I don't necessarily feel like that's my place to teach because I feel like there are qualified and very amazing people out there to discuss this, but just know (laughs) that yoga is more than just child's pose. The standing on the mat is one of eight parts of what yoga is. There's breath work and there's all the other parts that are off the mat about how you live, about doing no harm, um, about not stealing from others and about, um, being truthful and things like that. So there's this idea of excess and what it means. So I'm going to take eating, for example, since that's one that rings home for me. Um, Eating to excess, feeling full, knowing you're full, feeling the weight of your body and losing that connection with your body because it's so full of food. It's so weighted down. You've gained weight and just still continuing to take excess, take in excess, take in excess. Um, this could look like spending. Oh, I got paid. That means I have money to spend. Um, I know there are probably people out there who have spent themselves into debt. I tend to not be, (laughs) I tend to not be a spender. So that's not a particularly big hook for me. But, you know, we all have our things that we do to excess. Mine is probably more um, slothfulness that I, you know, I just am like, well, I just won't do anything because I'm so against spending money. I wouldn't dare to go do something. Um, That was, I don't know what that was. Um, And I think that I also spent some time learning about the drama triangle. 
So the drama triangle has a victim corner, a prosecutor corner, and a rescuer corner. And in those relationships that I have a hard time maintaining boundaries, we do the dance around the drama triangle. And I heard myself speaking over the past couple of weeks. And as I was relaying what was happening in my life, the story of my life, I was painting myself very often as either acting in the victim mode or the rescuer mode. And then sometimes moving to the prosecutor mode where it was like I needed to put someone in their place. And making the conscious decision to no longer participate in that triangle was, first of all, it's very, step one (laughs) to removing yourself from the drama triangle is just recognizing when it's happening. Again, coming from a noble podcaster. Step two recognize it's happening and say or do something to to acknowledge slash correct and so I'm somewhere between step two and step three which is it's happening less I don't I don't feel like the victim of my life right now I feel empowered to move on with my things and the key to all of these little things that I kept you know the, it's not an onion. It's like a blooming onion. Like there's little petals <laughs> to get to the ugly middle where I'm peeling back, not a whole layer, but just pieces. It felt like, and some combination of listening to a ritual podcast and listening to the 12 step meeting, I was like, oh my gosh. And the excessiveness, it was like, this is just addiction. Whether it's addiction that leaves you laying in the gutter somewhere or if it's addiction that just leaves you missing out on your life and growing, it's addiction. And I was looking at this list for the five-point guide for the cycle of addiction, all right? Step number one, pain. So some kind of discomfort. I think I would also venture to say boredom can fall in that category, but either way. Pain. Step two, using an addictive agent like alcohol, food, sex, work, uh, dependent relationships to soothe or distract. And I think that we have in our society these socially acceptable and or legal things that we can utilize as a distraction. I think when I was a kid and I was having a hard time with life, I would come home from school And I would eat a stack of Oreos and I would use food to soothe whatever was there. Whatever that feeling of not enough was. And food became a really big source of comfort for me and continued for a very long time to be a source of comfort for me. And also a source of um, unhealth, distress, weight gain, weight loss. Food and I have had not a healthy relationship. And the acknowledgement that that is probably going to be a forever thing for me. That I'm not allowed to go on diets ever again. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Um, You know, that's just kind of one of those undoing things that I guess I'm working on. So step three. So after eating said pile of Oreo cookies, a temporary anesthesia or distraction. And I think TV is another big one for me. Um, I, I all, 
I naturally have a level of guilt if I'm not doing something. Um, there's kind of like a, a self-hatred of like, you should be doing something. But I think that like the combination of watching TV and eating is really one of my most triggering behaviors in life because you don't notice what's happening with either or you're just kind of numb. So distracted, anesthetized. Step four, consequences. So in my younger life, let's pretend, um, consequences might be, uh, purging behaviors or weight gain. If I'm just eating excessive calories and no longer purging. (laughs) Um, so then there's the facing the real life consequences. And I think one of the things that I didn't ever really think about with eating disorders was that they are an addiction and maybe being able to kind of reframe that for me helped to recognize that I wanted to do something differently. That this is a pattern that shows up in my life in many different areas, in many different forms, and I would like to do things differently. All right. And step five, the shame and guilt, which leads to pain and self-esteem issues, low self-esteem. So there's the pain at the beginning and at the end, which is, I think, I can't remember who it is, like a Eckhart, Eckhart, I can't, Eckhart Tolle. (laughs) Addiction starts with pain and ends with pain. Like if your addiction is spending money, it starts with pain. So you spend the money and then you don't have the money and you're in pain still. It's not something that ever leads to something different and something better. So I guess I will kind of wrap this up here. It's just a casual look at addiction. Um, I am pretty sure I've contemplated this on previous podcasts because I am, I definitely get the feeling of I'm revisiting something, but with a new understanding and with maybe a gentler approach to myself. Um, there's a feeling of wanting more, accepting that, um, how, how I've heard it I've heard, you know, the 12 steps where they talk about like accepting that you can't do this on, I really wish I would say it better. Um, we admit that we are powerless over our addictions, that our lives have become unmanageable. Um, I really love, I heard Russell Brand talk about the 12 step program that worked really well for him as being like a thing, but he rewrote them. And the first one is just, he rewrote it as are you a bit fucked? Could you not be fucked? (laughs) Like his variation is very F heavy, but there was something about recognizing where I am and wanting something different than I've had before. And maybe it's just age too. There's something about the older I get, the more invisible I feel in life. I feel like when I was young, there was, um, young cause I'm old. Um, when I was young, I felt like 
there was more expectations put upon me to show up in a certain way. Like I needed to be dressing the cool way. I needed to be showing up right. And as I'm getting older, I realize more and more often that I'm becoming one of those invisible people that's in, you know, the old age category. (laughs) And there's a freedom that comes with that too. There's a freedom that I can more deeply accept myself as I am if I choose to do this work. There's a sense of maybe not intense urgency, but like a, I am easily setting goals for myself and working towards those goals now. And I feel like in the past few years, I've really struggled with that. Um, I, I felt like things were falling apart and I just couldn't do anything to stop the falling apart. And then coming into 2022, I stopped trying to hold it all together. I was like, if it's going to fall apart, let it fall apart with life. And again, if I get better at telling stories, I will put together a better podcast um, of just a run through of what that looks like in my day to day life. But one of the big things that I recognized, and I remember thinking about this when I was a churchgoer, um, you know, as I work on being a, a, a generalist at all things in life, um, there was this thing about like God or the divine or, you know, the grand pooba of the universe is dishing out lessons to people and you need to stop catching those lessons and let those lessons hit the people that they're supposed to hit. I found myself trying to help. This is one of those codependent traits. I'm trying to help you to do better. Um, instead of accepting you where you are and how you are and supporting you, if you ask for help, I will just help you. And really trying to take a stance back from that. And also really trying to have boundaries when I recognize someone is doing it to me. (laughs) Um, I guess that's what this last month and this year has really been about. It's about letting the lessons hit who they need to hit. Um, I, I, I talked about my life as like carrying Mount St. Laundry from the laundry room down the hall. Like you've got socks that are dropping and you're like kind of trying to adjust the load so you don't drop any of your clean laundry and things are slipping and shifting and falling and you're trying to hold it with your chin or your face and your arms. And I just stopped. It was like, if it doesn't fit in a basket and I can carry it easily, it's not mine to carry. And it felt very selfish. It felt unmanageable. It felt cruel. It felt not right to think of my own life as being important enough to have time and energy put into it. I think back about when I was younger and I would try to go on like a diet or a weight loss thing that I thought that the answer was always outside of myself. And I still see that frequently. Um, You know, I talk with friends and they're telling me like, oh, this is the thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's in you, boo. The, the thing is in you. And I don't think that you will get there any sooner than you are meant to get there. 
And I do hope that you will do the work to get there because it took me a really long time. And I really hope that by sharing this to whomever um, chooses to listen, that if you are stuck in the yuck, um, I hope that this podcast offers you some ideas to consider, to contemplate, to help shift that spotlight off of the life outside of yourself. Stop seeking answers. Stop seeking um, people to help. Stop seeking something to eat (laughs) or buy (laughs) or consume. Um, I guess, you know, that comes back to that idea of consuming, consuming, consuming. And start looking inward. Start doing the work from the inside out. I am not a role model at this point. Um, But I would really like to just be in a place where I'm content. And trusting myself and enjoying contemplating life. Thank you for joining me today. And... We'll be back. I don't know when. (laughs) But thank you for coming back. Bye. Oh, wait. I should awkwardly say the thing at the end, right? I hope that you are deeply optimistic and also deeply salty. Bye.